And the first thing that we talked about last Sunday was the fact that God is a good God. Hallelujah. And so he said he needed us to know that he is a good God. Hallelujah. The God is a good God. And he's better than anybody you know. You and I know. Any physical person that we know, God is better than that person. Hallelujah. The best of men, God calls evil. So he said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Hallelujah. And so he made it clear that he is a good God. And so we must know that he's a good God. In Psalm 119, verse 68, it says, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And can we go to 3 John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved guys whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate that which is evil, but that which is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil is, has not seen God. So God is a good God. Hallelujah. And his goodness is forever. But number two is the fact that we're going to start today is the fact that God is faithful. God is faithful. And his faithfulness is based on covenant. The reason why God wants us to look at his faithfulness from the covenant perspective is because he, not for himself, because he's faithful. He did that so that we may know the consistency of God, the faithfulness of God. Because when we say somebody's faithful, what do we mean? It means the person is consistent. It means the person is worthy of belief. It means that he's worthy of trust. We can trust him. That he would do his part. He would perform or fulfill his obligations. He's not going to change his mind. According to his covenant. And the covenant that he has made now is an everlasting covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us that God has highly exalted his word above his own name. And forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So God is not going to change. He's faithful not to change. And the things he has promised us, they are sure. Another thing about faithfulness is that it's sure. It's well established. Unmovable. Past reproach. You can't find fault with it. We can have absolute confidence in him. He is reliable. When we say God is faithful, what do we mean? He's reliable. 
He's dependable. You know, sometimes people promise they're going to do something and they don't do it. Not because they really don't want to do it, but because they cannot do it. They just not, they don't have the grace or the ability to do it without God. God is reliable. You know, there are people who say, look, I have your back. You know, I'm, you know, there's a minister, one went for a minister's conference. He was saying that, you know, there are these people, they said, Pastor, I'm behind you. I'm behind you. Everything you're doing, I'm behind you. I'm behind you. He said, the problem is that sometimes they're too far behind to help you. I'm behind you. I'm failing in, in his duty as God, as provider, as protector, true to his promises, and he's truthful. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. In fact, if he says something and it seems not to be true, it will become true. So he cannot lie. God is too big to lie. He's the one in whom others can confide in. You can tell God something and nobody else would hear it. He's without blame and reproach. Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two stones, two t- tables of stone, like unto the first, and I will, and I will write upon these t- tables the words that were in the first tables which were which thou breakest, and be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mountain. No man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the, the flocks nor heads feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hands the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud. And stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him, proclaimed and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, loving, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Praise God. Now, let me say something about this. It's a keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, when he says he will by no means clear the guilty, after he had just said forgiving iniquity and transgression, and sin? How, how come he will say that and say he will by no means clear the guilty? The guilty he's talking about here are those who have not dealt with their sin by coming to God according to his word. To repent. If men do not repent, God will not clear them of that guilt. That's what he's saying. He's not trying to say that if somebody does something wrong, he will never forgive the person. Because he already said 
forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Do you get it? Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. This is faithfulness. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, who keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, or Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto thee, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. The Lord is worthy of belief, worthy of trust, can be trusted to do his part, will perform all of his promises. He will fulfill his obligations to you and I in Christ Jesus regardless of the circumstance. But he requires something from us. After we've talked about all of this, he requires something from us. To believe him. Believe him for yourself. Don't, you see, the, in, in, in churches, you can have a lot of people who are in the, they're in the, in the corporate floor. We believe. We believe. Do you believe? What do you believe? Joshua chapter 1. Let's go back there. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What I mean is that he's going to be faithful. I will not fail you. Means he's going to be faithful. If everything else fails, God will not fail. And it's not big to connect with God. Just go to your room, shut the door, let everybody go out, or go to your closet if your room is occupied. If you feel like crying, cry. Talk to God. Pour out your heart to him. Say, Pastor, I went there, I cried, I talked, and I heard nothing. You heard plenty, but you did not hear. You did not know it was the Lord. You did not know his voice. You did not know that that soothing feeling that you received was God. You did not know it was him. There is nobody who will call upon the name of the Lord that will not be saved. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble that you're in. It doesn't matter the situation. He said in his word, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you. Psalm 50 verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. 
and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. He didn't say, come and blame God. Come and be angry with God. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Part of that glorifying me is the testimony that you give. But that's your part to God. But he says, call upon me. Whatever it is, call upon the Lord. Talk to him about it. Some of us, you know, what we do, our last resort is prayer. Not the first resort. Last resort, we pray. If we will pray, God is faithful to answer. If we will ask him, prayer is asking God, petition. You go to God and you talk to him. When you're under pressure, you pray fervently. That's not the time to give up. When everything else fails and it looks like the enemy has thrown the kitchen sink at you, that's when you should pray like never before. God is faithful to answer. I don't know any of you that has been that your child, maybe a three-year-old, and there's a fox out there pursuing your child, and the child was running to you and screaming that you would do nothing. How much more the almighty God? You see, you're the apple of my eyes. You're the apple of God's eyes. You're the apple of his eyes. He, he would talk, the person that is touching you is touching the apple of God's eyes. You know what he said about anybody who offends one of these little ones who trusts in me. He said, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it was better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. What is a faithful God? The promise he made to you, he will keep it. And that's why when God speaks to you, write it down. When God tells you something, write it down. You write it down for two, two reasons. One, to judge it. Is this God? When you're persuaded that what, is, what he told you is in line with scripture. If you don't know enough of the word of God, go and know enough of the word. Because it is your duty to know the word of God. We dealt with that in our spiritual obligations, right? It is the every Christian's job or obligation or duty or responsibility to study the word of God. To know it for himself or herself. Nobody is supposed to do your studying for you. You're supposed to read the Bible. It's for you to read it. To meditate upon it and to get the counsel of God. To know when God is speaking to you and when he is not. That way nobody can come and say any crazy stuff and you buy into it. You're supposed to know the counsel of God. God said in his word, he said, There shall not one say unto the other, know ye the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Hallelujah. You should know God for yourself. Know the written word of God for yourself. 
Because there's a spiritual highway out there and there are many voices. When he says, my sheep, they know my voice and the voice of a stranger, they will not hear. He knows that you're going to study the word. That's why he's saying that. He's not saying it in isolation. Because if you don't study the word, how would you know when he's speaking? Hallelujah. He's faithful. You can't know it just by, you know, uh, okay, there's a pastor said he's faithful. But I haven't seen his faithfulness. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I have not seen him faithful on my behalf. But they say that he is faithful. Do you know why we call scripture and we put it up for you to see? It was not our word you heard. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see some people, some funny people, whenever you say don't throw the book at us, just tell us what you think. You don't have any business with what I think. What I think does not matter. What matters is what the word of God says. Because he is the ultimate judge and ultimate provider. There was something that happened to David. After that the Ark of the Covenant had come back into Israel. Praise the Lord. Can we go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 11. And David called Zadok and Abiathar the priests and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asaiah, and, and Joel, and Shemaiah, and Eliel, and Aminadab, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Let me set the background here. Now, after the, the Ark of the Covenant had come into Israel by itself, by himself, as it were, because it was God that was moving by itself. Let me use that because it's, it's a box. Just a box with the, the scriptures in it, the Ten Commandments, and, you know, the arrows rod that bordered and the showbread. Praise God. Those were the content of the Ark. And when he came, the first tribe that saw it opened it and looked into it, and the plague broke out. <laughs> he broke out because it was not their job to do. So those ones ran away. And then uh, uh, when, when David came to get it, uh, Uzzah put his hand because he stumbled. Uzzah put his hand to touch the ark and God slew him. And David was afraid. So he ran away. So he took it into the house of Obededon and Obededon carried the ark and laid it in his sitting room. But something unique began to happen. Obededon began to prosper. God began to bless everything around him. Then David heard, you know what it is for you to prosper to the degree that the king now became afraid? I said, no, 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 we can't do this. So he decided to go and take the ark. This was a man whose spiritual things were important to him. The Bible says that he, he was a man after God's heart. And so, he now began to gather Israel together, the Levites together, and said, let us go after that ark. We need to bring it back. Verse 13. For because ye did it not at first, 
the Lord God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after due order. God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful. But for you to get the benefits of the things that God talks about, you need to do it after due order. You need to honor the Lord. Honor his, to honor God is to honor his word. To respect, to reverence his word. He says, I will not fail thee. Which means, if you fall apart, I'll gather you together. <laughs> we'll continue this journey. I'm going to put you together. If, if you were Humpty Dumpty, you fell from, me, from the wall. I had a great fall and you scattered. God will patch you up and nobody can trace where those pieces were broken. There's nothing God cannot fix. You missed it royally. Go back to him. The thing about it is that go back to God, go back to God, go back to God. And whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Go into the word. Say, Pastor, I didn't, he didn't tell me anything. I didn't hear anything. Start reading the Bible. The primary place God speaks to us is through the written pages of the Bible. Read it. It's not a deco. It's God's love letter to his children. It's his covenant promises that are in there. What God wants to do for you, they're in there. And they're stable, they're sure. They do not change. 